Hello, and welcome to Everybody's Bad With Money, where we share stories and get real about personal finance. We make money talk fun. I'm Amelie. And I'm AJ, and I have a really sexy, low voice this morning for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, why is that? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, did, I did have ice cream, and I went to bed a little later than I normally mm. do, so maybe that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somehow the ice cream has to do with it. <laughs> Um, or maybe I slept so deeply that I just have this low voice right now. Sounds pretty sexy. I'm into it. Thank you very much. I'm going to solicit my voice for uh, for calls later. You know, like, hello, would you like to buy an automobile? Um, <laughs> um, but anyways, enough about me. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm doing pretty well, actually. I feel like my mental health has been like pretty good recently. Honestly, I've just been feeling kind of gross. Like I think the quarantine and the is just really getting to me. Like, and maybe I just need to get up and like actually, you know, I don't know, put myself together a little bit more. But like I'm wearing pajamas every day. I actually worked out yesterday for the first time in like four months. <laughs> nice. How was that? What'd you do? It was good. I just did a quick like uh, Pilates class and then I lifted some weights just like in my apartment. But, and that made me feel really good. I, I like really need to prioritize moving my body. It just was a reminder that that is so important to me. Um, but yeah, I've just been feeling like, bleh. I don't know. I think I a lot that. of people probably feel that way with, with the quarantine and like doing the same thing every day. So Yeah. I that's, guess that. that's really me. Yeah. I'm certainly at a point in my life where I really want to like elevate my appearance like in just the way that like I present myself because I've just been in the fitness world for so long and and in the consulting world. So like I've never really had to like wear professional clothing and mm-hmm. like and it's just something I'm like, okay, I need to step up from athleisure wear because obviously I'm still inside, but I want to just feel more polished and put together. So like, I totally get that. Like I blue dried my hair yesterday. Cause I was like, I just want to like feel more like put together. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I think, yeah, maybe I'll ask Frankie if he wants to do just like, you know, a date night where we stay in, but we like make a nice dinner, which we have done during the quarantine, but we haven't done it in a while. And that always makes me feel nice to even just like put nice clothes on, even if it's just in my apartment and like do my makeup. Like I literally never wear makeup ever, which I love. I'm not complaining about that, but sometimes it is nice to just make yourself feel pretty. (laughs) Yeah. Um, also like before my wedding, like I have to like, just start wearing makeup every day because whenever I went to go do like my trials, like I'd look in the mirror and be like, because <laughs> I'm not used to like wearing makeup at all. And then like to go put on like basically stage makeup, like for your wedding, it's like a huge stark difference. So like, I need to get my, Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Seeing my face with makeup. <laughs> yeah. I like, I put on makeup a couple weeks ago for some reason. I can't remember why. Um, and I noticed that I just like, I'm so not used to makeup that I was like rubbing my eyes and stuff. Like that's my problem is I, I like, I'm so not used to it, but yeah, I don't know. It's just like the little things that sometimes make me, make you feel a lot better about yourself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I did. Um, speaking of which, like last night we were watching Iron Man three, cause I'm going through all the marbles. Mm. So good. And 
Iron Man 3 is really dark and I am I have like all my kit my tools that I use to massage my face and like so I spent like probably 45 minutes like Gaisha um acupressure points like just and then manually just massaging my face oh that sounds nice it was amazing I have a gua sha, but I rarely use it. I need to maybe try Ooh, that a little bit more. You would love it, especially with all your like thyroid stuff. Like it's yeah. so nice on the neck. Oh. I don't know. I've like, I've, I did a class, like it was a free cl- course on, or not free, but like a, it was through this, uh, I don't know, like a, a store in Boston that does all natural makeup and I love them. Um, but they had a gua sha class and I was like, Oh, this is really interesting. I, it was just virtual. And they actually sent me a gua sha or like right to my apartment. It was really cool. And I've done it probably like five or six times and I've never, maybe I'm not doing it correctly, but I've been, I've never been like, eh, I love this. Oh yeah. You're also like 26 and like have supple skin. So like, <laughs> I mean, you have beautiful skin, so I don't know, like it could just be like, I've definitely, I've noticed a huge difference in my face from doing it. Oh, interesting. Like, huge. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they did say it's like over time, you notice the difference, but yeah, like really, really big. Um, like I just feel much firmer in like mm. my face, like, like I can like, I just feel, yeah, it's awesome. But besides, but also like, it just feels like, especially neck tension, like you can. Yeah, that's true. And like, I, I have a lot of jaw tension. I feel like that would be really helpful for that. All right. That that'll be my uh, goal for the week. Gua sha myself. One day you will experience an AJ face massage. Um, I was thinking about that, like how (laughs) people who listen to the podcast, like don't know this other side, there's so many other obviously sides of me, but like one of them is that like, I love I've been massaging since I was like 14 and I actually started with the face. I remember at sleepaway mm. camp, I used to massage people's faces and then like, you know, you move to other parts of the body and everybody wants the back and blah, blah, blah. And then I taught yoga, but like my true passion is the face. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I kind of knew that about you, but not in that much detail. And oh, yeah. I, I cannot wait. My face is yours. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, how are you? Oh, I'm really sore. Um, I took the class by Tara Toomey. Well, it wasn't with Tara Toomey, but it's by Tara Toomey, um, which I actually, I took, I took like four or five years ago in New York. Um, she's awesome. The style is about like repetitive movements. Mm. Um, so, it, I, and the first time I took it, I was like, this woman is brilliant because it takes like the repetitiveness of yoga but makes it really safe. So you're doing the same pose, the same action for like three minutes, like the length of a song. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to like injure yourself, but it creates that, like that auto correction of neural pathways that like yoga does with repetition. Mm -hmm. Um, And then she like infuses mantras during it. Oh, I like that. Yeah. She's it's, it's a really cool. um, It's a really cool concept. And so but it's a lot of jumping, which is so great for lymphatic drainage and like for like cardiovascular health and all that stuff. My calves are so sore. Yeah. Bending is hard right now. (laughs) Um, Walking is difficult and kind of sucks when you have a (laughs) dog that you have to clean up their poop and like take things out of their mouth. I'm like, I hate being this sore. Um, but yeah, other than that, (laughs) I'm really good. Um, I'm really excited that um, that 
the course is about to start next week. I can't wait. Mm. I'm finishing up this month, this course this Tuesday, um, which is, it's like one of my favorite topics. We talk about ritual and how to make budgeting self-care and yeah, doing really good. That's awesome. Do we want to talk about our scholarship? Um, yeah, I'm just trying to think of when this is airing. Oh yeah. Not till next week. All right. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> um, cool. Well, I'm really excited about our topic today because it's one that's near and dear to my heart and probably like the, when I started working with you, this was what I really latched onto was budgeting and emotional spending because mm-hmm. that was the, that was my problem, emotional spending, truly, and budgeting, because what happens is when you don't know what you're spending and you're, you're spending emotionally, that it's just a a recipe for disaster. So this is like, for me with a lot of my clients too, this is the place where I see like they, that they really need help. And I think that's where a lot of people need help. So I'm really excited to talk about this topic and kind of like get back to basics. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think like there's like two really key components like pre-emotional spending, Mm. which is that like as a culture, we really um, validate instant gratification. Yes. Um, And in terms of like when we get into like the nitty gritty different types of emotions, the reason a big part of the emotional spending comes from um, bypassing emotional discomfort. Um, So it's like, so, so many so many people don't even know what their emotions are, but they just have this momentary discomfort and then they fill it with things. Yep. And that was, that was me. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like I was super depressed, honestly. I'm thinking about like the time after college where I think I've talked about it on the podcast before, but I was like working at a restaurant and in a long distance relationship, living with my parents, just like not happy. And that was when I spent $8,000 on my grandma's credit card. Yeah. And I've never been more ashamed in my whole life ever. Mm. It was the most embarrassed I've ever been. And like, I was just so upset at myself for letting that happen. And I would, it really like threw me for a loop because I was like, how in the fuck did you not realize that you were doing this? Like, come on. It was just, I was so detached from money and my spending. And it's it's nice to hear you keep talking about this story because you have more and more like compassion for yourself every time you talk about it. (laughs) That's Um, so true. That's a really good point. Yeah. I, you know, and it's so crazy because we worked together for two years before this podcast and you never Mm -hmm. told me that story. And like, now you're sharing it and there, there just seems like a level of like, it's, it's like slowly becoming less and less like painful. Um, yeah, I think that's really true. And I think that, yeah, I think it took me like a couple of years to really like look back and be like, all right, let me digest this because it was so painful in the moment. I'm sure. Yeah. And but like- it was a huge lesson for me because that was the tr- really the turning point in my life where I was like, I'm only going to spend my own money from now on. And yes, it led me to get into debt because I didn't have money. (laughs) I also didn't, wasn't good at budgeting and just like, didn't have financial knowledge. But before that I was just using money from the people in my life. And that was like a really big turning point for me. Yeah. And just like, 
the value of talking about these these really like shameful moments in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Like my um my old life coach always used to say, I was thinking a lot about her this morning, that um like finding the ways that you cope and the way that you process. And like I really believe that like um um oh gosh like uh, like uh, being like um talking to other I'm there's probably like a better way of saying (laughs) that but like talking to other is a way that people process oh yeah absolutely external processing what is it called external processing Mm, yeah that's it yeah um that's why therapy is so awesome go therapy Uh, should we dive into budgeting first? Because I know that we could go off on emotional spending, but I think I it's important to actually talk talk through, through that first. Um, so I figured out like a way to kind of like make it really simple. But I, I mean, this is like step one. You know, if you're like, what the fuck do I do? How do mm-hmm. I budget? Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So before step one, don't go online and Google, like, give me a budget. No. For the love of God, you know, because it's going to give you arbitrary numbers. It's going to make you feel like shit. It's going to tell you that you haven't saved enough, that you're in too much debt. It's not going to, it's not going to be good. And then you're not going to want to do it. The key with budgeting is personalization, customization. It needs to feel like your own. It needs to feel like your, um, your life because you want your money to work for your life, not for somebody else's life. Um, so the three numbers that you have to know when you're budgeting is your non-negotiables. So your non-negotiables are essentially your fixed expenses, anything that is, um, uh, enabling you to live and be safe. So your rent, your utilities, your cell phone bill, your insurance, um, anything out oh, your car, like anything that's like providing your lifestyle, like is, is, is giving you the place to put all your stuff, sleep, and also like get to work and the things that you absolutely need to do those things. Um, the second one is reoccurring monthly expenses. And, um, those are anywhere from like Netflix to a budget coach, to therapy, to a gym membership, um, to Hulu, um, New York Times, like anything that's coming out of your account monthly that we can track. Um, and this is really important because we need to know the number that like is literally coming out without you even thinking about it every single month. And then the third is your lifestyle expenses. And your lifestyle expenses is where you get to be you and have your personality. I mean, obviously reoccurring monthly expenses has that too, but um, they're more variable. They change, they fluctuate monthly um, and they're extremely personalized. So for most of my clients, they have, they have three to four categories, just about food. Cause it's like groceries going out, wine and liquor, um, you know, takeout, like everybody kind of personalizes it themselves. Why is that not non-negotiables? Because food is very variable. Um, yes, you might consistently spend the same on groceries, but depending on what your social life is in that month, it could really go up and down. Um, then you have, you know, 
for women it, I, and not, not just women. I have men who have beauty services on theirs, you know, cause they'll go get like monthly beard trims. Um, so beauty services, beauty maintenance. So, um, you know, beauty products. So those are all very different, right? Because like you go to the salon, you spend $200, you go to Sephora, you spend $50. So those things vary and they're different. Um, then, you know, like games or like technology, entertainment, things like that, you can break those up. Um, and then home goods is different than home supplies. Home supplies is toilet paper, paper towels, like getting really granular. Don't go to the supermarket and buy your toilet paper, like try and separate them so that you can really see what are you spending on food? What are you spending on like home things? Home goods is obviously like deck home, home decor, decorating your home, like getting candles. You can have a candle category. You can have a books category, um, getting really, really like, the more in detail you can get, the better. And um, and then basically what you wanna figure out underneath all that, so it's non-negotiables, reoccurring monthly expenses, lifestyle, you add that all up and then you see that magic number and then you take your income and you minus that magic number from your income. And that shows if you are going into debt every month or if you're saving every month. Exactly. Um, and I think that the, the key to a budget is making it really line up with your values and goals, which is something that we talk about in coaching all the time. Um, you want your budget to really be aligned with the things that you believe in and the things you want to be spending your money on. And that was one of the biggest realizations for me when I started working with you is that I wasn't spending my money on things that I actually wanted to be spending my money on, um, which really ties into emotional spending because I was spending in order to kind of fill a void. And so I wasn't actually putting my money towards things that I believed in. It was like random stuff that I don't even care about and probably threw away, you know, which isn't good for the environment, isn't good for my wallet, isn't good for my mental health. It's just like bad all around. So that when you start tracking a budget and like really looking at those lifestyle, lifestyle expenses, you can actually tie your budget to the things that you value. And you can also start saving money towards your goals, which I think is a really important thing to note. Um, can you talk a little bit about how to, or I can, but you, you explained it so well. Um, can you talk a little bit about how to find the numbers in your lifestyle expenses? Um, and like yeah. how to create the budget categories. Yeah, for sure. Um, great question. I just want to like um, piggyback off something you said is that so yeah. in our coaching, the methodology of our coaching is that we don't get into money until we understand our beliefs mm, around money point. and our values and goals, mm -hmm. because until you understand what matters to you most, you cannot create a sustainable budget. But if you were like, AJ, just give me the raw data of how to create a budget. Like that's the blueprint. Yeah, exactly. Um, but that's not how we do things at Beyond the Green. Um, <laughs> Good call out. Um, okay. So the way that you find this is you do at least a three-month historical expense analysis. So you go back the last three months and you get every single statement and every single credit card and every single area that you've spent money and you sit down with a highlighter or you 
do it all online and you figure out where you spent that money and you put it in the categories. And it's the most, the first time you do it, it is so painful and so challenging because you're really facing yourself. Like you're really having to reckon with your choices. And for a lot of people who are in debt, they're going to find out that they live above their means every month. So that's like, and, and then a lot, and then a lot of conversations that I have a lot is that we look at the numbers and just, they could spend very little in lifestyle and they still don't make enough money. And so that's like that conversation where so many people are like, I just feel like I'm just getting by. And it's like, because you're barely living, like you're unable to support your lifestyle, including all three categories. Um, and this can happen if like rent's really high or income's really low, um, where it's just like, if you're, if you're top heavy on your non-negotiables and recurring monthly expenses, like paying off student loan debt um, or pay, you know, you have really, you're paid a, a lot of um, re- debt repayment back to credit cards and you're really top heavy in those categories, then it's gonna make live, like going and getting your hair cut like a really big problem. Yeah. And that's not the way you want to live your life because it's so stressful and so exhausting to be living paycheck to paycheck and constantly stress out about money. Yep. So yeah, that's, that's a really good point. And so for the historical expenses, I think it's also important to note that it's going to take you a long time. Like mm. you don't want to skimp on doing this. You have to gather like everything that you've spent, um, different credit cards that you use, debit cards, and also looking at your Venmo back and forth. And you want to put all of that into categories. I think it's really important to note. Um, And then you can use, so once you have your three months of historical expenses and you put that into categories, then you can start to see trends of what you're spending on. Um, And you can, again, reevaluate for your values and goals. Like you can say, Hey, I realized in the last couple of months I spent like, which is, I'm speaking from personal experience. I spent $300, $400 on clothes. Actually, that's not where I need to be spending my money. I have everything I need. I don't want to be contributing to fast fashion. Let me actually be um, aware moving forward. Yeah. And and reallocate it somewhere else. Maybe it will be to paying off debt. Maybe it'll be to savings. Maybe it'll be to buying more groceries instead of going out to dinner, whatever you want it to be. Um, but really like taking a look at where you're spending your money and, and seeing if it aligns with how you actually want to be spending your money. Um, And I also want to note that one reason this is so powerful and so important is because as a consumer, how you spend your money is going to dictate in my personal opinion, the things that you believe in. So it's all, it's like the phrase putting your money where your mouth is. So when you actually are tracking your money and have a budget and know where your money is going, then you can be a really conscious consumer and make choices about how you want to spend your money and what companies and brands you want to be putting money towards. What I found about myself is when I was spending emotionally and when I wasn't tracking where my money was going, I was actually supporting things that I don't actually believe in and that don't align with my values because I wasn't aware and I wasn't thinking like deeply about where my money was going. And so I think that's a really, really positive side of budgeting and along with a million other things, but it's like, you can actually start to uh, be a conscious consumer and spend truly in line with your values and with what you believe in. 
Yeah. Susie Orman has uh, all really, really, really good points. Um, Susie Orman has this quote, um, like, um, what you do with your money truly shows if you are powerful or powerless. Mm, mm-hmm. um, yeah. And I love that um, because it, everything that you said is just so true. Like what a budget does is it doesn't limit you. It actually gives you choice. Oh yeah. I fully believe that. And I'm uh, like, I have experienced that firsthand. Yeah. Same. Oh, it's, it's 100%. <laughs> you know, um, when I was, when I was first really budgeting the first like two years that I was really budgeting, it was like, it was very much like being every single dollar had a place and it was all about like in alignment with what was like the most needed expense that was coming up. Plus like where I value my, what I value. And like, Mm -hmm. um, so Um, another thread that I wanted to mention really quickly is patterns. So what you're actually going to find with your historical expenses is that like, you're not so far, like you probably spend consistently every month in a lot of categories. And if you don't like, let's say there's a spike, there is a reason for that spike. And it gives you time to, to reflect and be like, what happened in that month that I spent $600 in home goods? Oh, well, you know, um, my boyfriend and I broke up, but I decided to like remodel my home or like Mm -hmm. whatever. Or like, why did you spend $400 on clothing? Well, you're like, oh, actually like I had a wedding or I had something that I need. It's like, okay, cool. Like not everything is bad. It's necessary. Like some things need to happen. So you need to buy things. Like there's nothing, there's no bad. The only time that's bad when you live above your means, you know, like that's, that's it. If you're not living above your means, then it's just like reckon reckoning with your choices. And like, how do you want to change your choices? so that they reflect the life that you want. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I wanted to also quickly talk about using a budget because I think there's a lot of different ways to approach it. Um, One thing, I just wanna say this because I think it might be really helpful to people, but one thing that was really useful to me when I first started budgeting, well, the first couple of months I was looking at a monthly budget and I was cutting my spending a ton because I was spending so much and like so above my means and, and then, for the first couple of months, having a budget felt super restrictive. And what I kept doing was spending a ton at the beginning of the month and then getting to the end of the month and feeling like I didn't have enough money left. And then I would get back into that place of like, oh no, I have to, I like don't have money and I can't spend and like feeling super restricted and it felt so bad. And so one thing that I did when I was like really, really practicing a budget is break it down even further and break it down weekly. And that was hugely helpful for me, like just so, so game changing because then I was seeing how much money I had per week and focusing on weekly instead of monthly. And I think that might be a tip that, that would really help some people. Yeah, for sure. I think it's, um, I was just thinking about like the flows of like how your habits change and like things change. Cause I've gone through phases (laughs) where I'd spend the money at the top of the month. And then I went through phases where I'd spend the money at the end of the month because I'd be really constrictive at the beginning. Mm. And it's just like, it reminds me of that. Like your relationship with money is never over. Um, I know this is true for myself. I'm always working on my relationship with money. I will absolutely until the day I die. Um, And like, I, I had a client recently where I like, I was like, 
are you trying to set it and forget it with your budget? Like, are you trying to automate everything and like, and like divide your, your, um, your check in like in pieces and like put it into different categories? I'm like, that's just not going to work. Like, I'm sorry, you don't get to automate your budget. You've been working with me for three months. Like this isn't like, this is a, this is a changing neuropathways, like literally changing your brain chemistry, changing your body chemistry. This is not like, you cannot set and forget your budget. It has to be a conscious decision every single month or weekly where you are checking in and making sure that you are on the right path towards financial freedom. Totally. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. And um, I mean, I'm at the point now where budgeting is like one of my favorite things. I love it. It's so fun. It like makes me feel really happy because I am good at budgeting. And also like, I can see where my money's going. Like I feel really free from budgeting. It's not restrictive at all. And like, yeah, there were definitely months at the beginning of, of doing this where I felt really restricted, but it was just about changing my mindset towards it. And like really starting to see my money work for me. I mean, I've paid off like all my debt over what, like a year and a half, two years. Yeah, probably. And, and like that feeling made it all worth it. And now I can actually use my budget to, and it's super aligned with my values and it feels really good. Like it does not feel restrictive at all. I think this is like a really good segue into emotional spending. Cause I want to yes. bring up something that's like really important. And if this is the only thing you remember from this episode, getting out of debt and building wealth is not always going to feel good. And <laughs> such a good point. Oh my God. And, and that does not mean it's you're, you're, it's on, you're on the wrong path. Like, like it's, it doesn't feel good to reckon with yourself and understand that you put yourself in $10,000 worth of credit card debt because you weren't present with your spending. You have mm-hmm. to deal with those consequences. It doesn't feel good to be angry that you're in student loan debt and have to pay it off every month. You have to deal with that anger. You have to deal with those emotions. It doesn't feel good to, you know, to be a independent contractor and owe the IRS money because you didn't plan for it in advance because you actually don't make enough money from your business. Um, You have to face these things. And there are some days when it hits you like a ton of bricks and you're like, I hate this. And there's other days where you're like, I got this. It's about continuously and consciously showing up every day, even when you don't want to maybe give yourself a couple hours to sit in the discomfort and be like, I hate it. I want to be a victim. I want to cry. I want to go hide under the bread, the bed. I mean, I do it all the time. It's like, I just need some time that I need to like go under the covers and not come out, but it's yeah. like, but, it, but then you have to go take the next step forward. It's so true. I mean, I certainly still struggle with a lot of, of money things. And like, I, this is actually so interesting The uh, I was visiting Frankie's family this past weekend and um, obviously his uncle Will is one of our number one fans shout out I love him and it's funny because um, his wife Frankie's aunt was showing me like a a anklet that she really liked and she was like um I'm like taking a trip I like really want this anklet and I was like oh that's so cute like I, I like it too like that's awesome like if you, if you like it, like go for it. And he like basically called me out and he was like, are you telling her to spend her money? Like, like jo- he was joking, but I was like, 
oh my god this is so interesting that like now I'm like the budgeting girl I actually don't remember what the point of my story was what were we talking about oh whatever we were talking about um the neg- the negatives of spending and how- oh like it doesn't always feel good and I was just like oh this is so interesting because like I actually don't remember where I was going with this point at all I like the story. Look at but you but it was so it was so funny because I was like, oh, I like it's not my responsibility to know her budget and know how she's spending her money, and all I can control is myself. And like, I I wasn't like, go for it, you have to get it. But I was like, this is something that she's sharing with me, and like, if it feels good for her, then it feels good for her, and, and it's just like not my responsibility. But it's so funny because I was like, wow, I'm getting like caught in this whole budgeting thing like this is just a really interesting situation yeah I think there's a really really big difference you're hitting on a note of like we're no shame budgeting coaches like yes for sure. that's that was my point that I forgot to say I got yep. it yeah thank you thank you for uh being my brain <laughs> no yeah there's no shame but we are tough love and like we are that we are that push in that direction to say all right, we have to face this. We have to deal with it. I'm going to hold your hand through the whole thing, but I'm going to say mm-hmm. some things that are not going to feel good. And they're yeah. not, going to be, they're not going to be fluffy and dovey and lovey and they're going to be tough. But yeah. Oh, be- and I remember my other point um, with budgeting. It's like, it just like when we interviewed Lindsay, she was talking about how she calls it a spending plan. Like, this is my point is that I don't know her budget and I don't know what she can and can't afford. And I'm not her coach. It's not my responsibility to decide whether or not she can afford something. And also part of budgeting and part of what feels so free for me is that when I spend money, I don't feel bad about it. Like I I know how much I can spend. I know it's in my budget. And if I want to buy like the bracelet or whatever, I can do that because it's what I want and it's how I want to spend my money. And having a budget to me feels freeing because when I spend my money, I don't feel guilty. I don't feel bad. Like I have allocated money in certain categories and I can afford that money. And so for me, when somebody is like, I want to buy this, if I don't know their financial situation, I'm not going to be like, you shouldn't buy that. Like it's not, it's not my place, you know? So it's, it was just a really interesting situation. I was like, if it's in her budget and it's, and it's something that she wants, like I will fully support that. I'm never going to be the person, like you were saying, like, I'm not going to put shame around it. If somebody, if it's in their budget and they can afford it, like that's their own deal and they can totally do that. And I will support that. Like, I'm never going to tell somebody not to spend money and we're never going to tell somebody how to spend their money. It's, um, it's totally has to be in line with their values and what their goals are for themselves. Completely agree. Um, okay. So let's dive into emotional spending. I think we've kind of like hit it. Um, we've kind of tapped the surface. Um, but so do we want to talk about sales a little bit, just real quick? Yeah. I think that's a really, that's important. So sales is all psychology. It's like being good at sales is like understanding like the human condition and, it is. and sales are meant to make you feel like you have, you have lost if you mm-hmm. don't buy, like it's, it's literally like there's, it's the winning and the losing sensation. It's like, it's a chemical reaction in the body that, oh my God, if I don't get this deal, that's never coming back, then I am going to, um, I'm going to lose 
and mm-hmm. I'm not going to win. Essentially. And I've, yeah. And I've worked in sales and I mean, I'm sure a lot of people realize this, but companies use this psychology to get you to buy. Like it's, it's act, it's not this passive thing that like happens in your body. It's like, they are using, they are wanting to make you feel this way so that you purchase their product. Like they are tapping into your brain and being like, how can we get this person to feel these emotions of like, oh my God, I'm going to lose out. I'm going to lose out so that they'll buy. It's kind of evil, but it's also kind well, of brilliant. <laughs> I love, so my entire background is in sales since yeah. I was 19 till, till the pandemic was in sales. Um, first in hospitality and restaurants, um, then in, you know, being a yoga instructor, selling myself mm-hmm. as a yoga business then as a yoga studio manager and selling memberships, like I've like my blood is sales, yeah. but it's so, so another aspect of sales is about comfort and convenience and transformation. Um, and so the goal of sales is like, of or the goal of selling something is like, I'm going to offer you a transformation. That's what you're like, this, di- this dishwasher is going to transform my life. Like this lawnmower is going to transform my life. Like there's that component of like, oh, if I have this thing, then I'm going to feel X, Y, Z. So even when I was waitressing, my whole like way that I waitressed um, was that I um, was always enhancing their experience and making them feel that they needed to have things. So like, mm-hmm. um, but also doing it in a way that was like, look, I'm, I have your best interest at heart. So for example, like at a four top, when they would order the meatballs or they would order the appetizer that always had three things instead of four. Cause you're like, why do you do that restaurant? Why are you <laughs> giving us three meatballs when you know there's four people here? <laughs> um, I'd always say, Oh, do you want an additional meatball for $4? And they're like, yes, of course I do. Like, why wouldn't I want that? Mm-hmm. The scallops. Oh, do you want an additional scallop for uh, for $8 so you can split it? Yes. Thank you for being so considerate of what mm-hmm. I need. Yep. And so it's that enhancement. It's that, it's that if I have this experience, if I have this thing, it's going to enhance and elevate my life. And then for a moment, I don't have to think about the the bad yeah things. yeah and also like sales aren't or it's not always the worst thing you know like when the meatball example is perfect like if you brought up a, a thing of three meatballs to a table like it actually would be more convenient for them to have a fourth one and so in that in that case like that's actually probably something that is going to enhance their experience actually, you know, like that's not a, a trick which I think a lot of people think of sales as like this trick and like in a way it kind of is, but at the same time, like sometimes I guess what we have talked about a lot is like, you can use sales to your advantage and like, it's not always a bad thing. I think where, I think where trickery comes into play, going back to my example, is that if you don't have a budget for how much you want to spend going out, then it's so easy to be convinced that you need more. Totally. Yeah. Which is why a budget is so important because then when you're presented with a sale, you can say no. Mm-hmm. Or if it's something that you wanted to get anyways, and it's part of your budget, you can say yes and take advantage of the sale. 100%. So like 
Um, we're recording in my bedroom right now and um, Amelie can see my sauna. We got our sauna 50% off. Yeah. Because we knew we were buying a sauna. So we like prepared for it. And as soon as that deal hit, we took advantage of it. Yeah. And that's how you can take advantage of sales is by actually real recognizing when you want to buy something and then using the sale to your advantage. And that's the, the best way to, to utilize them to your advantage. Yeah. Being so being really thoughtful about things that you want to buy and, and then really discerning, is that something you need or you want? And like, so for example, for a long time, like I had a budget for clothing that like was higher than I had ever spent because I was like working at the yoga studio and I had like consistent income. And I was like, I want to spend $150 a month on clothing. And some months I wouldn't hit it, but, but it gave me this permission to be like, I'm going to go buy. And, and, and what was nice about it is it gave me permission not to do the sale. Mm. Which is like, I was like, if I want to go buy something, I can, and it doesn't have to be on sale. I don't have to wait for it because it's allocated in my budget and I know that I can afford it. Um, but then, so it's like that balance, right. Of like, but if I'm going to go buy a big purchase, like, yeah, I'm going to wait until the sale. I, I don't need it right this second. Yeah. And the interesting thing about sales psychology and the way that it really gets people is like, um, if you only have a certain amount of money, but you see that something is on sale, a lot of times people will spend above their budget just because they see that sale and they're like, oh, it's a good deal. And and that's the, that's where they get you is like, regardless of whether something is on sale or not, it still has to fit within your budget just because it's on sale, just because you feel like you're going to miss out. Doesn't mean you get to spend over your budget. You still have to like work within your means. 100%. Which is a perfect segue to emotional spending. Amazing. Let's dive into emotional spending. Okay. So um, the way that I do this in the course is that I break it down into like specific emotions that like spike spending. Um, And the first one that we can easily talk about is trigger. Mm -hmm. Um, So a trigger can come from anywhere. It can come from an email. It can come from a, um, like an ex calling you. It can come from it's raining. (laughs) Like, yeah, it can. I mean, it's, it's just so true. There are so many, so many things that can happen that can lead to spending. And this was really one of my big issues when I was like spending above my means is that if I felt an emotion, regardless of what it was, regardless of what the trigger was, it would lead me to spending. So I felt sad. I would spend, I felt overwhelmed. I would spend, I missed Frankie. I would spend. And because it it becomes a coping mechanism. And so it's like the, it's all about recognizing that and then finding a better and healthier way to cope with those emotions because spending when you're feeling an emotion, regardless of what it is, whatever the trigger is, um, is actually really unhealthy and it's really bad for your wallet. 100%. It's like, it's getting really clear on what those emotions are. Yeah, exactly. You have to like go, sorry to interrupt you, but you have to go like find healthier ways to cope with those emotions. And the first step to that is being like, how do I feel? actually slowing down, taking a step back and asking yourself, 
what emotion you're feeling in that moment. Because if you aren't recognizing that things happen so quickly, it's like, if you are feeling sad and you spend, it's, you're not taking a step back to be like, I feel sad. Why do I feel sad? What can I do about it? It's like, you're just putting a bandaid on the problem, not getting to the root cause. Exactly. And, um, and I think also like your, just because your trigger doesn't incite that you have to take action about it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like sit with your emotions, just sit with with your emotions. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think you, you succinctly put it, but I think that's like, you don't have to totally react. Like it could just be like, you know, I, I think there's a lot of like, especially if the trigger is caused by somebody else, it's like, we use it as this opportunity to like sabotage ourselves. Yeah. And also it's so part of our culture and it's because our culture is so based on spending and consumerism. And so you see it everywhere, you know, like you see it in TV shows. I mean, retail therapy is literally a phrase that's coined for our society. Like that's fucked up. Retail therapy should not be a thing, you know, know. unless it's like, unless it's like a part of your, I mean, I don't know. Retail therapy is like a stupid phrase, but it's like, of course there are times where I actually really enjoy like going and shopping, but it's, it's part of my budget. I've planned out for it. I'm not doing it because I feel a certain emotion and, but it's, it's just such a part of consumerism and companies and places who are making money actually really benefit from that. And so they feed into it over and over again. And there's commercials, there's just so much stuff out there. It's, it's actually really, it's a lot harder to not do that than yeah. it is to, to give into it. Another really um, interesting point is that like, you don't just spend because you're upset or stressed or anxious. You can also spend because you're like in a state of ele- elation and you're in a state of, Hi, Luna. <laughs> um, dog. you don't just spend because you're upset. You also spend when you're in a state of elation or like overly happy or totally. you're in celebration. Like it's, the, the times in my life that I've sometimes been the most like thoughtless is when I'm like in the high of life. Oh, absolutely. You know what, where this really happens actually is with gift giving, which for me, I think I've said this on the podcast, but, um, that was one of the categories that I was so surprised about when I started doing my budget. I was like, I spend so much money on other people and on gifts, which isn't the worst thing. Like I was, I'm a thoughtful person. And if you can afford it, like you can do that. But the problem was I couldn't afford it. Um, but that's like a lot of what happens around the holidays is you think about the people you love and you're really like riding that high of wanting to get them a nice gift and like show your appreciation. And then you overspend. That's so, a perfect example. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it's, it's really important to know, like, because it's not just sadness that leads to spending. There's so like any emotion can lead to spending. Yeah. Um, and really it all just comes back to being aware and slowing down really is just like making a plan. And, and then also like in the long run, that will benefit you so much. As I talked about, even with gifts and stuff, like if you have a plan and a budget, then you will feel so good buying somebody a gift. You don't, you won't feel bad. Exactly. Um, and, and the person buying you who you're buying the gift for doesn't want you to feel bad about the gift that you bought them. No. So it's like, it's, uh, yeah. It's Nothing just, feels better than giving a gift that you can afford to give. <laughs> it's so true because yeah. then there's no strings attached. You're yeah. just like, 
this is, um, and that's one of the four agreements is like detaching from the outcome. You're giving the gift and you don't expect anything back. It's just like, this is truly like a thoughtful gesture that you're giving to the other person. Yeah. It was really funny. Um, so my, one of my best friends, Andrea, who made our logo, Andrea Napshan, go check her out. Um, she has made many logos for me in the past and has supported me. I mean, as a friend and at like professionally for years. So yeah, so I've never been in a financial position to like really thank her for all the generosity. She's never taken a dime for me to like make these logos. Um, and this is not my first logo that she's made for me. And so she's getting married or she actually just got married last week. And I was like, I'm going to get her something off the registry, like something really nice off the registry. And I called her the day she got it. And I was like, this isn't like an engagement gift. Like, don't get me one because we're both getting married. And I was like, don't get me one. This is, this is purely because I wanted to like, thank you for like everything that you've done for me in the Mm -hmm. last like five years. And um, like, this is not a new thing where we give each other engagement gifts because we're in a group of friends and we mm-hmm. all like split engagement gifts with um, each other, which is awesome. Having groups of friends that you can split gifts with is a <laughs> side note. Um, it brings down the cost of the gifts so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that was like, a, I like, I think about that and I get so happy just that moment of like being able to give something from like a place that I could afford it. And I knew it was something that she actually wanted. And it was like just a win-win. Yeah. I think one of the biggest emotions that cause spending is um, loneliness. Yes, totally. Um, and loneliness. That was also me. <laughs> loneliness. And I think that's a really good example that like loneliness does not have to be necessarily like romantic. Um, I certainly feel extreme pains of loneliness. Um, sometimes sitting next to Brett, sometimes sitting in a room with a million people where I totally. just feel like I am completely alone in the world and yeah, disconnected from hum- humanity. Yeah. And I think the way that this gets manifested in spending is I'll have a gym membership. That's $500. I will, um, I will go to bars. I will, you know, like there are so many different ways that it manifests. Um, I will get a dog, you know, like I will go and I will do these things to curb my loneliness as opposed to like, oh my God, I, I literally will never remember the first day I sat in my loneliness and I didn't do anything about it. I didn't Mm. call an ex. I didn't, I didn't go buy anything. I just sat in my loneliness and it was like a life changing experience for me. Yeah. I mean, I, that, that was the main emotion that caused me to spend when I was like post-college because I was, I went from like loving my life and having all my friends around and like being at college and then being thrown out into the real world. Like, yes, I was dating Frankie, but we were long distance. I was working at a job where I honestly like didn't love the people. I was like borderline getting sexually harassed. It was really bad. Yeah. That's another story for another time. Yeah. It was really, really, really bad. Yeah. It was really bad. Um, and, and I, and then I would like go home and just be like, I'm so alone. None of my friends live near me because I had gone back and lived with my parents, um, after living with my grandma. And I was like, I what am I doing? Like, this is the real world, quote unquote, this sucks. And I just felt so alone and like nobody else was feeling these emotions. And so then I would spend, so it was just completely based off of loneliness. My heart, I love you. I'm so glad you don't feel alone anymore. I really don't. Um, And then the last one I want to say is fear. Um, 
And that could be like fear of the future. I know that was like a big one for me. Fear of like, what is my life going to look like? Fear of like the pandemic. Like, I mean, oh my God, talk about fear based yeah. when the pandemic first start. Um, even like um, in Texas, oh my, everybody took all of the groceries. Mm-hmm. Like they were completely empty um, during the riots. Like same thing, like that fear-based mentality. I mean, fear is a great insight for spending money. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, that one, that happens all the time. And like people spend above their means because they're afraid of something happening. It ha- it's, it's such a common one. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, what are, yeah, you go. Well, I was just going to say that I think it's important to end on a good note. And the, the key of this podcast is that through budgeting, you can actually avoid a lot of this emotional spending because it's all about becoming aware of where your money is going. And for me, like that was the biggest, that was the biggest thing that really helped me is that I was because I was so unaware and I see this with clients all the time is that they have no idea how much they're spending and what their money is going towards. And it's mind blowing when you actually sit down and start to track it, where you realize that you're, you're, you are emotional spending or like, you just don't realize all the categories that you're, or all the categories specifically that you're spending your money. And you're like, this is actually not what is aligned with my values. And so by actually having a plan and sitting down and like, actually looking at the numbers, it will really take away a lot of that emotional spending. And like, I'm not perfect. I still spend on Instagram ads sometimes. Oh no, no, no. But I will like, you know, an Instagram ad will get me like, it totally happens, but I don't feel horrible about it. And I don't feel a ton of guilt because I'm like, well, this is still in my budget. I made a mistake. I'm learning for the next time. And like, I still live in a consumer culture. Like sometimes it's going to get me and that's okay. But because I have a budget, I, it doesn't eat me alive like it used to. Yeah. That's so great. That's such a, that's such a good point. It's like, it's the plan. It's really the plan that helps it's me. It's the plan and it's being aware and it's, it's okay. slowing down. Like it's a, right. It's okay to go buy that, like, like that um, facial cream from the Instagram ad, as long as there's a plan in place for your retirement and how you're going to fund your emergency <laughs> account and how you're going to pay off your debt. Like it's fine. Like, exactly. And that's um, what I work on the most with my clients is like, you don't need to feel bad about spending. Like you are a human being living in a world where things cost money. You're going to have to spend money. You will never have to not spend money. But if you have a plan, then you don't have to feel guilty about it and you can still save and like provide for your future self. Perfect. Quote that, put it on a board. <laughs> like that's perfect. Bumper I- sticker beyond the green bumper sticker. <laughs> um, I don't know if I've shared this story, but like I got conned in um, Charleston. Um, like I bought like a $400 like eye cream that was, I was told was going to like change my life. And like, Ooh. I, and Brett was there and it was so, it was so humbling as like a budget coach who was launching beyond the green, you know, like this was like mm-hmm. literally at the same time. And I actually ended up getting a speeding ticket because I was so upset with myself that I wasn't present while I was driving and I was going like, like 60 to 45 or something. Like I just was not in, in the zone. And it was so like it, and Brett would, and Brett said to me like the most like nervous system healing thing. He was like, that $400 is not going to affect our retirement. 
Mm. You can afford it. It's not necessarily how you would have wanted to spend your money, but it's not something that's going to make you go into debt and dip into savings. Like you're okay. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. Great. Thanks. Yeah. And it's a lesson for the next one. Yeah. It happens. Mm -hmm. 400 bucks. I'm it happens. Oh, it happens to, it happens to everybody. Yeah, yeah. I've certainly been there. We've all been there. I've been there for, and I'm, and I'm a budget coach. Like <laughs> it happens. Yeah. Um, so my dear, um, what are three things that you're grateful for? I'm grateful for my apartment. I'm grateful for Frankie and I'm grateful for Frankie's family. We went and saw them this weekend and it was just so nice. Um, they, they've gotten, they've all gotten vaccinated. So it was like a really safe. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And Amazing. I, That's it was awesome. like, I felt so good. I was like, I can't give, if I had it, which I know I don't, cause I'm pretty careful. I, I mean, you can never know for sure, but I was like, I'm pretty sure I'm good. Um, but I couldn't give it to them. And it just was such a, like a, a feeling of relief. And we had a really nice time because everybody just felt so, so relieved after like a year of, of being stressed out when we see each other. Oh, that's so nice. I'm so happy yeah. for you guys. Yeah. Um, what about you? I'm really grateful for my friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really, and, and not just mine, but also the people that Brett have brought into my life and then are now are, like our friendships that are combined. I, I love the moments where I look at me and Brett and I'm like, we are building like this life together. And like, we have these relationships and these memories with these people. And it's so special. Um, yeah, big fan. Um, I'm really grateful for, um, Brett taking the reins on like all my birthday celebrations that's coming up this week. Um, I'm literally like, I'm never planning a birthday ever again, as long as I live. (laughs) Um, I can plan his and my kids, but not right. Um, and I'm really grateful, um, for you, Amelie, you were on, um, I was thinking about you all weekend as, um, just as this, like, you're just this little part of my heart that like motivates me and keeps me going when I'm feeling like, what, what the hell am I doing with my life? Oh, so sweet. Always here for you. I love you. I love you. Um, and we love you all. Thank you so much for listening to everybody's bad with money. This podcast was presented by beyond the green coaching. Um, we offer one-on-one coaching, private coaching and group coaching. We have a course called heal your relationship with money and become financially free. Um, we only have two, um, courses for the, and up until September on March 16th and April 14th, there are very few spots available. So if you are interested, reach us at our Instagram at beyond the green coaching, you can reach us at hello at beyond the green coaching.com or shoot us a message via our website, www.beyondthegreencoaching.com. We love you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. Bye.